Everybody's now connected online all the time via their phones and tablets. And it's very quickly moving into to the industrial realm. So in terms of switchgear, you know, we're going to have engineers who can remotely access their electrical switchgear via their phone and run diagnostic checks and status checks and all the rest. Hello there and welcome to the Switched On podcast with Domain Electrical chatting to some of the leaders in the electrical field, finding out how they got there and what they think may be next for the industry. We'll also be chatting with manufacturers and suppliers around Europe about which products are going to make our lives and jobs easier this year. Coming up, we'll be chatting to Patrick Dreisen from Concertclip in Germany. But first, let's talk to the director of Kane Engineering, Damien Kane. Damien has steered the company to be one of the most well-known names in Northern Ireland's electrical industry. Family-run business is a leading supplier of low-voltage switchboards, motor control centres and control and automation products. Company switchboards can be found in developments like Titanic Belfast, the ICC, which was formerly known as the Waterfront Conference Centre and the Grand Opera. Damien, the company sounds fantastic and I believe it's a family company as well with a, a long history. Tell me about it. Uh, yeah, we, we've just um, clocked our, our 50th anniversary. So the, the company turned 50 in, in March last year. So uh, I, I haven't been there all that time. Uh, I've been there about about half that time, though. I find that hard to believe sometimes. Uh, but yes, uh, the company was started in 1970, actually, by, by my father, Raymond. Uh, he had been working as a uh, an electrician at the time, and he saw what he thought was a gap in the market, and he thought he would have a go at, at uh, starting his own business in the, the field of electrical switchgear. So he set up a, a company at that time, which he called Century Engineering, and he worked part-time, so he was holding down his job, and he was doing the, the Century Engineering switchgear company uh, in evenings and weekends. Uh, after a period of time, he realized he could make a go of it, and he uh, set up a limited company in 1971 and decided not to go with the name Century Engineering. I think he, he had been asking around for advice at that time and somebody said, well, you know, it, it, it's your company, it's your name, you're going to put your name on your products, put your name on the company. So that, that, that's what he did and Kane and, uh, and Engineering was born in, in 1971. So um, small beginnings back then, he, um, he started off, he had a small workshop in uh, place called Macaulay Street, which was beside where the Gasworks industrial site used to be in Belfast at the bottom of the Ormer Road. Today, the Gasworks is now a nice, fresh industrial park. But uh, back in the day, then he, he had a small unit and, uh, and, 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 and kicked off there. Um, uh, I, w- I will tell you one interesting story there that, that I only heard quite recently about, about um, the goings-on. So this, this was in the, the early 1970s in Belfast, which was a pretty volatile kind of place back then. Um, the story goes that one winter's evening, my, my dad was leaving work in, uh, at his uh, premises in Macaulay Street and was turning to drive home, turning onto the Ormer Road, when he realized that there was a, a barricade up ahead and there were riots going on and they were hijacking cars and burning them out at the bottom of the Ormer Road. So he thought, oh hell, well, what, what, what am I going to do here? I'm going to be in trouble and I don't want to lose my car. So uh, Raymond, being the quick-witted, uh, quick-thinking person that he is, instead of doing a U-turn and trying to head off in the opposite direction, he pulled his scarf up around his face and drove at high speed towards the barricade and put his windows and yelled out at the guys, Feck off. I've just hijacked this one. You get the next one and sped off. (laughs) 
So I thought, well, that, that, that's a great story. And it's, it's, it says a lot about Raymond's mentality and, and, uh, and his approach to business. He was always ready to, 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 to do whatever was, was expedient to, to get through. So uh, I only heard that story quite recently. And I think, I think it's brilliant. It sums up your dad very well, though, uh, about his, his, his attitude. It, it does, yeah. What, what about you as a kid when it was kind of you were seeing this business and your dad has gone off to work and did you find it utterly boring or was there something in there that you went, hmm? No, I, I always had an interest in it from, from an early age. I, mean, I remember, I mean, um, the original premises aside, that they actually moved from, from Belfast to, to our present location in Newton Arts around 1976. And I remember whenever the, the factory now, the, the place where we are now, the factory's been extended and renovated. But I remember when the original factory was built, going over there as a seven or an eight-year-old, helping to brush concrete sealant on the on the newly laid floors of the factory. And, you know, that's a, a kind of a standout memory. And I remember kind of my dad's pride at the time that, you know, he had taken this business this far over the past six or seven years since starting it and now he was prepared to take it further and and you know he, he put everything on the line you know and uh, was really pushing himself to borrow money from the bank to build new premises so uh, as a family we we were all in with the business from from an early age and, and very much engaged with it but interestingly I mean I, I've I've three brothers and a sister uh, uh, and today I, I'm the only family member that's involved in the business so there was never there was never any pressure for um, for family members to join the business, but eventually it, it, it you know, it turned out to be the right thing for me. But it, it was it wasn't a, a an immediate path. Um, I I'm, I'm not an engineer by by trade or by background. Uh, I did okay at school, went on to university, but I was never cut out to to do a degree in electrical engineering. So I, I joined the business through a different path after having gone to to uni and, and doing a degree in business studies. So you were able to come into the business then uh, and you had, would you say, have learnt a lot of things the hard way on the engineering side, just kind of seeing what people and talking to people and getting an understanding of what they do? Yeah, at, at the time I joined the business, I think it was uh, it was sort of mid to late 1994. And at that time, I, I'd been out of university a couple of years. I actually had been, I'd been working at a, a job in Belfast and then I'd been living and working in London for a year. So I had a job over there in a, a sales and marketing capacity with a um, a Taiwanese Malaysian company at the time, and I was I was enjoying it, getting a bit of experience, bit of European travel, but I wasn't that content really being in London and the scenario there. And I remember coming back uh, home one time, sort of summer of 1994, and I think at that time my dad was kind of getting a bit kind of worn out by his place in the business, and he was kind of thinking, well. I might quite like to retire by the end of this decade. Um, and and we, we had the conversation about where the business might go because if he'd no one to follow him into the business at that time, inevitably he might have sold it, he might have wrapped it up, he might have just let it go. But uh, you know, we, we had the conversation. I had been working in the business over many student summers over many years and uh, decided that if there was an opportunity there for me to, to come into, now was the right time to at least to to, to give it a go. So I, I came back from London. Uh, I joined the business. I didn't really know what I was doing when I joined the business. I was just brought in as, here's the new guy. He wants, he wants to learn about what we do and how we do it. And I kind of just got stuck in. 
was it a bit like you were driving a car and there was a barricade up front and you went, what am I going to do next? <laughs> well, at, at that time, the, the business was quite small. I think I think when I, when I joined it, um, the business had shrunk back a bit in size from what it had been in the 1980s. So, uh, in about 1994, I think we had 15 employees. So when I joined, I don't know whether the, the expectation was that here was the next managing director in waiting or whether the staff who were in the company at the time uh, viewed me differently. But I mean, all I knew was that I was prepared to give it a go, work hard, learn the business uh, and, and, and see where it took me. Now, it's very interesting that you say that your dad was kind of getting to a stage where, oh, I'm going to retire. And I suppose you do get tired and whatever. And then the company had shrunk a little bit. And then you came in and it's like, yeah, I'm going to give this a shot. And I think, you know, to be fair, you gave it a hell of a shot, Damien, because you've grown 300% in the last decade. How did you do that? <laughs> not, not purely down to me. I mean, at that time when I, when I joined as a, uh, the, and the company was still quite small, we were predominantly a Northern Irish company and we, we, don't, we hadn't really spread our wings very far. We weren't doing much business throughout the, the rest of Ireland or, or throughout GB. But over that period in, uh, in, in the late 90s, we, we started to open up new customers who took us into new territories. So it was, it was a bit of uh, incremental growth. And then kind of the decade, if you like, from from uh, starting with the year 2000 was a, was a bit of a blur for me because I was recently married. My, my eldest son was born in 2001, another son in 2003. My daughter was in 2008. So that whole decade is kind of lost in a blur of family bedlam and, and hard work and, and activity. Uh, and And Probably by the time we get to kind of late 2008, the business had grown and developed a bit, but it wasn't an awful lot bigger than it was when I had joined it 10 years before. And actually at, at that time, then we, we, we had an approach from another company, um, a company called EPS Environmental in Cookstown. And they literally knocked on our door one day in 2008 uh, and said, you know, hey guys, we, we, would, we would like to, uh, expand our interests in the world of electrical switchgear, uh, and can we look at, 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 at investing into your business to help it grow and, and, and take it on to, to the next stage of growth? So that that was, that was a major crossroads for us. Uh, and after a bit of you know hard head scratching and soul searching, we I decided because it was it was predominantly my my decision that that that, that was the way that the next stage of the company was going to unfold uh, and we, 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 we did a deal with, with um, Peter Mallon of EPS Environmental and brought them in as a new investor in, in the company. And kind of for the first time then our, our family business became not just a family business. So it was, a, it was, a, it was a, you know, quite a, a significant uh, change in, in our understanding of who we were and what we were around that time. And then from that time onwards, really from 2009 through to now, has been one of the strongest periods of growth that I have known. And we've really uh, been able to take the company in a different direction and push much further, uh, particularly into our, our UK and, and Irish markets and, and invest for growth. So if I get this right, Damien, you had a family business, which was doing fine. And then in 2008, now what was going on in 2008? Oh, yes. A major global recession. Yes. Global recession, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. meltdown yes, yes, and everything. Yeah. And then somebody comes along and says, we'd like to invest in your company uh, and things go great for you. So that's fantastic. My question is, what did you spend the money on? What did you invest in? 
Well, we, we, we really invested in people, I suppose. I mean, um, one, one of the things that I think that maybe had held me back prior to that was as, as the MD of a small company, I, I, w- I was kind of doing everything. You know, I was the sales director, the financial director, the engineering director, the production manager. And you know, there's, there, there's only so much um, effort you, you can put into it to all of those things. So, so the, the, the new investment and the new people that we brought on board at the, at the time in 2009 started to, to help us reshape the company strategically about, well, you know, who have you got? Play to your strengths. You know, who do you need to be bringing into the company? Where do you need to be developing talent? And actually, more importantly for me, what was my role going to be going forward? Uh, and it became fairly clear early on that you know, my role was to be one of business development. You know, I'm, and today my, my role is very much focused on commercial relationships, developing those with customers and sales. At the end of the day, it's all about sales. You know, we can, we, we, we can, we can hire engineers where we need them. We can hire specialists in different parts of the business. But uh, until we had kind of almost like a, an outside influence to help shape that agenda, it wasn't really happening, but it has happened significantly uh, in the past decade and we've, we've grown our numbers. I think we've currently 32 staff and we're looking to probably take that further, maybe up to 40 uh, uh, over the next couple of years on, on our current plans. So the outside influence was definitely a good thing. It, it was, yeah. I mean, it, 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 was, it was a big, big decision because whenever you're running your company and, and you have kind of total control of your company, you think, well, why would you bring somebody else in then who, who, who might want to shake things and, up. And you're not even married to them. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it was the right move at the right time. Um, now, it, that's easy for me to say in hindsight. Uh, at the time, around 2008, 2009, it felt like the right thing to do, but there was no guarantees it was going to work out. I, I just felt that it was, um, in, in the grand scheme of things, that it was a that it was going to be a positive move for the company and it was going to be a bit of a springboard for us for growth. You said that you were going, wanted to the company to play to its strengths. What are the strengths of the company? Again, we, we, we kind of revert to uh, um, the company name and the brand and the culture. So, you know, we, we, we look around our industry and there's lots of different companies out there who can all build uh, electrical switchgear. Uh, and, and over the course of time, we, we've come to try and understand what our brand represents and we think we stand we stand for for quality for integrity for for professional service and you know as i say to my staff today you know every panel that we build and put out through the workshop i put my name on it you know it's got a, it's got a cane it's got a cane label on the corner of it part of our culture has been about you know passing that down through everybody who's involved in the organization so they can stand as proudly behind that brand as we do so it's very hard to put your finger on, you know, uh, what what makes us successful. But, you know, we, we, we've, we've come to mature into our into our brand and we try to manifest that through the business and, and how we do things. And we, you know, we, we, we ask for better. We try to improve and uh, we try to bring the right people into the business and give them opportunities to grow with the business. And what about the switchgear sector itself? How would you reflect on changes in the switchgear sector over the last 50 odd years? Well, certainly there, there's been um, a lot more 
competition has has entered the market, um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, because it's been it's been a a, a growth area. The, the demand for switch gear has risen on the back of uh, uh, of the demand for electricity. You know, I mean, uh, I don't know what the average household kilowatt cons- consumption was. 30 or 40 years ago, but I'm sure it's many times that today uh, and the same in, in industry. So uh, as, as the electrical industry has grown, so the switchgear industry has grown, the products have grown in complexity. Uh, we, we, we look back at the old photographs of the, of the products that we used to build and they were very simple resilient systems, you know, they, they control the electrical power distribution in, in a building, but um, they didn't have a, a lot that could, could go wrong with them. So I think one of the big challenges today as specifiers and consulting engineers are designing and demanding more complex electrical control systems for their buildings is for us to maintain the resilience in our in our products that we used to have 40 years ago. So I mean, if you take a typical switchboard today and it has a it has a main supply and a, maybe a backup main supply and a generator supply and maybe a mobile generator supply and a, a, all sorts of control logic and complexity that we didn't have before. So our, our, our approach with, with our customers that we try to develop our products with is, okay, well, how, how do we meet your needs for your 24-7, 365 uh, electrical resilience? How, how do we do that without making our product uh, so complex that it doesn't stand the test of time like our switchboards have done for 40, 50 years. In my own personal domestic parlance, I would buy a washing machine off you because I believe it would work in 15 <laughs> years' time. <laughs> yeah, well, we, 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 we've had that, um, Dusty. We, we, we've gone back and, and we've seen installations where, where, where we're looking at original cane engineering switchgear that was built in the 1970s. And we've got those same customers coming back around saying, you know what, Damien, we, we think this panel's probably due for an upgrade or replacement. So that, that's a great legacy for us to have. You know, people coming back and they're, they're going back to the cane panel and saying, right, I want a, an up-to-date version of this, but I want another cane panel. I mean, uh, there's no there's no greater uh, praise that we can have for the quality of what we do. Looking ahead way, way into the future. <laughs> Crystal ball. When you, like your dad, are going to go, do you know what? I think I'm going to retire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how, do you think, how do you think the electrical industry is going to look in 10 years? The Internet of Things is is knocking on our door. Uh, Everybody's now connected online all the time via their phones and tablets. And it's very quickly moving into the industrial realm. So in terms of switchgear, we now have switchboards which are connected real time to the internet and you know, you're going to have engineers who can remotely access their electrical switchgear via their phone and run diagnostic checks and status checks and all the rest. That's one of the big, big changes that's happening at the moment uh, and, and we're very much a part of that working particularly with, with Schneider Electric in the UK. We're, we're one of their, we're no, their, what they call their smart panel partner for Northern Ireland for this new um, uh, connected technology. Uh, and we're training our staff on the the Schneider Eco Expert system, which again is about this concept of uh, remote asset management, so that we can uh, empower our customers to manage their switchgear resources remotely. So that 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 that's a big push at the moment. Uh, and then another big push within the industry is really in terms of uh, uh, design connectivity uh, and and BIM modeling. So we're being asked more and more to provide a great level of detail with our designs that the uh, the engineers and the architects can roll into their virtual buildings. Uh, so that, that, that's something that we're putting a lot of effort and investment into at the moment as well. 
Well, there's an old song, uh, The Future So Bright, I Gotta Wear Shades, and I think it definitely <laughs> Let's hope so. applies to you. Damien Kane from Kane Engineering, thanks for chatting with us. No problem. Thanks, Dusty. Our Switched On podcast today is brought to you by Domain Electrical, the leading independent Irish-owned supplier, importer and distributor of industrial electrical components in the country. You'll find their story at domain.ie or just use the link in the show notes, which you'll find on the phone app or the website which you're using to listen to us today. Let's go to the Netherlands, to the Conte Clip Germany. It's also a mid-sized family-owned company which began in the 70s. It supplies more than 17,000 articles across four main product groups, terminal blocks, PCB terminals, electronic interfaces and cable management systems. The company creates specific solutions for widely varying branches of the industry from marine engineering to building automation to environmental technology. Patrick Dryson is their international product manager and has worked with ContaClip since 1998. Uh, he joins us now. Patrick, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you for having me, Dusty. So listen, tell me, how is your, what, what is your background? How did you fall into this wonderful industry we're in? Yeah, my background, I, I studied uh, yeah, electronics and then I did to do my duty. I have to go to the army for one year and then, then you are ready with that and then you need to search for a job. And um, I know I was, not, I was not an engineer from the beginning. I knew that. I, um, I can talk about techniques, but I'm not really the type of designing. So from the beginning, I knew I want to be in some kind of commercial role. And that's the reason why I started as a sales inside for, uh, for a wholesaler in the Netherlands, similar to the main. And after a year, I wanted to uh, yeah, be a sales engineer outside. And then I tried at another company, the IT sector, but the IT sector is something completely different than the industry. Uh, when we talk about switcher cabinets and machines and panels. And after you have IT, I find out that's not my piece of cake, so to speak. And that's when I started to look for a new job, and that's how I ended up uh, uh, getting a job at Contact Netherlands at that time as a, as a product manager. And that's how I rolled into the business, and that is yeah, more than 20 years ago. And now I'm, I'm still here you know, working for this lovely company. So you say IT wasn't quite your bag, but you've fallen into the Contact Clip um, family. And you must like it if you're there 20 years. What do you like about the, the company? What do I like about the company? Well, you said it in the beginning. It's it's a mid-sized company. Uh, it's a family-owned company. So, in mid-size, that means you have a job, but you have a lot of other tasks. Also, it's not only one function that you have. We do a lot of things with a, with a small group. So, and that's a nice thing. It, every day is different. And family-owned also means when we talk about contact, it's 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 a, it's a flat organization. That means. If a customer, if the main has a question, they call me. If I cannot give an answer straight away, I have one colleague or my boss, I call, and then we make a decision together. So it's very, uh, we make decisions very quickly because we don't have big overhead. So, and that's, that, that's, it's nice. And all the, yeah, let's say money that we earn goes back into the, into the company, not to shareholders. It goes back into the company to design new products, et cetera. So, and that, that's what, it makes it nice to work for a for family company. There's a nice little affinity then with Domain, who would be quite similar to that as well. Uh, you say that Domain are asking you questions. Uh, what, what's the hardest question they've asked you so far? What is the hardest question? That, that, that's, a, that's a difficult one, Dustin. <laughs> no, they always come because I'm a product manager. So often they come with, with technical questions. So, and we all, always, always find a solution. Of course, sometimes you bump into to the project where price level could be an issue, but... Yeah, up to now, we, we 
together with the name, we always pick the right boxes. So we also often have the right answers for the customers, so to speak. So difficult questions come, but they are difficult in a technical point of view, but we can normally solve these challenges, let me say it like that. That's the main thing, isn't it? You know, taking the problem and solving it. Um, looking ahead to the rest of this year, lots of exciting things, I'm sure, in your portfolio. Uh, what, what's the one thing you're working on at the moment that you're most looking forward to later on in the year? Uh, what we're most looking forward to, we have, yeah, two, like you said, we have four product groups and within two product groups, we have exciting news to come. First of all, when we talk about uh, electronic interfaces, we have uh, yeah modules, they called, the name is GSM Pro. It's a little remote control unit, a little device that gives you a message when, for example, motor starts running or a pump stops running, and you get a message from a distance. And for this product group, we uh, we are launching, hopefully by the end of the year, a uh, 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 monitoring software that's somewhere in the cloud, and it's called Contact Supervision. And with this software, the customer or the user of GGSM Pro is capable of monitoring all, all uh, his devices in one monitoring sur- surface. So it's very easy, no matter whether it's one unit or 100 units in the field, he has a quickly view uh, or overview what the status of all his units are. And that's something uh, we are looking forward to to launch. And when you say that people are able to get messages to keep them up to date with what is happening, is that via smartphone? Is it a text message? Is it via an app? Or must you log into a website? No, that's a funny thing. It's uh, it's a little device. You just put a SIM card inside, you program it, the device, and then it logs into the provider, for example, uh, Vodafone Island. Then it's depending how you program the device. The, the device is capable of sending you a text message when the status is changing. This status changing can also be shown in a smartphone app. The unit can also send you an email. So, yeah, to be honest, Dusty, whatever you want, is text fine with you? You do it with text. Do you want it in your smartphone app or do you want it in a mail? So we offer yeah, all the possibilities. And are you doing an awful? Are you doing a lot of work with uh, IoT, with the Internet of Things? Yeah, it, it, it comes, it, it goes in that direction. Of course, we're keeping an eye on Internet of Things, but GSM Pro, from that point of view, it's it's a little standalone unit, especially, for example, for pump stations. Pump stations are often in the middle of nowhere. With a blink of an eye, you can program the device, set it up, and you've got control on a device that's 100 kilometers away, and that's a nice thing. And it operates independently, yep. because we all know that Wi-Fi appears to be everywhere, except when you need it. That's right, that's correct. <laughs> and it, as long as the provider doesn't have a problem, then our unit works fine. There you go, perfect. Listen, Patrick Dryson from uh, Contaclip Germany, thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you, thanks for having me. Have a nice day. If you'd like to find out more about Patrick or Contaclip in Germany, or indeed Damien and Kane Engineering, you can find out plenty about our guests by following the links in the show notes. You'll find those in the description of this podcast on your phone or whichever device you're listening to us on right now. They include links, contact details and anything else that you might need. Our podcast today was produced by DustPod.ie for Domain Electrical. Domain have been in business for more than 40 years and that long success has been built not only on embracing innovation, but looking after and listening to their staff 
along with excellent relationships with their extensive network of customers and partner suppliers. Bottom line is that when you call Domain, the guy you're talking to there actually knows about the products and can suggest the right solution for any problem you're trying to solve. You can find out more about Domain at domain.ie. Do join us next time when we'll discover another well-known industry leader who says he started his company on a whim with absolutely no plan and is now one of the leading electrical engineering contractors in the country. To get that automatically, just click the follow or subscribe button on your player right now. Until then, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, thank you very much for listening and I hope you join us for our next episode of the Switched On podcast with Domain Electrical.